I'm Brett Chang, and this is your Peak Daily for Monday, February 14th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Peak Pals, this is another solo episode from me. I'm in New Orleans, Louisiana. Couldn't make the timing work with Jay, but I'm going to promise you that I will do everything I can to make Jay proud and to make this one a great episode for you. We'll start by doing an Olympic check-in. So Canada now has one gold, four silver, nine bronze for a total of 14 medals at the Olympics. That's pretty good. I'd love some more golds. You know, I'm looking at curling, women's hockey, men's hockey. The Canadians lost to the U.S. And so that's not looking great, but I'm hoping that we get a bit more success over the next few days. Right now, top of the table is Norway. And what's pretty incredible about that is that Norway is not a very big country. I think there's only four or five million people there. Yet they do disproportionately well in the Winter Olympics. That's what I think we should be striving for. And I'm hoping we get there. I I do think we've got a couple big events coming up. And so we'll keep you updated on the Peak Daily with all the latest Olympic news. But for today's episode, here's what we've got. For our first story, Americans are entering the chat. For our second story, ETFs are so hot right now. And for our third story, Macron is going nuclear. For our first story, America has officially entered the chat and the showdown at the Ambassador Bridge is heating up. But actually also might be cooling down and we'll give you a quick update at the end. So this is the first time the Americans have fully or officially gotten to the trucker dispute. Here's what's going on. High-level officials, including President Biden and Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, are adding pressure to reopen the Ambassador Bridge amid ongoing protests that are beginning to take a toll on both countries' economies. Meanwhile, Ontario Premier Doug Ford declared a state of emergency in the province, and an Ontario judge granted an injunction to clear out the protesters. And if you're having trouble following the multi-front trucker dispute, I think there are about three blockades going on in different parts of the country. Here's what you need to know to get caught up on the Ambassador Bridge dispute. So protesters against vaccine mandates and other COVID-19 restrictions have been blocking a bridge that carries over a quarter of all Canada-U.S. trade since Monday. The blockades have halted the daily flow of over $450 million worth of goods that cross the border and further straining already beleaguered supply chains that is a common, common topic on Peak Daily. And it's actually having some real consequences. Auto manufacturers, including Toyota and Ford, are not getting the parts they need to produce at full capacity, leading to short-term closures and even layoffs. Food importers that have lost access to the bridge and are forced to take longer detours and perishable food orders are spoiling in transit. Bloomberg economist Andrew Husby estimates that the related delays will cut 0.3% from Canada's GDP growth each week, amounting to a daily economic cost of $500 million. That is a lot, all due to a few pickup trucks on the Ambassador Bridge. So here's what's next for the trucker dispute. Our American trading partners may be losing patience with the blockade now that it's impacting their economy too. President Biden has reportedly offered support from the U.S. Department of Homeland Security to reopen the bridge. But a quick update, and we're recording this on Sunday. It appears as if they have finally removed all the protesters from the bridge and they're about to reopen it. It looks like there was about two arrests made, but most of all the other protesters just left after being told that there was the risk of being fined either $100,000 or being arrested for mischief. For our second story, it may not be the sexiest way to invest, but ETFs in Canada are having a moment after seeing a second record-breaking year of cash flows in 2021. Now, we should probably start off with what an ETF actually is. And so an exchange-traded fund, ETF, is a pooled investment security similar to a mutual fund, but can be traded like a stock and typically tracks an index, sector, or asset. And ETFs have benefited from heightened uncertainty amid January's market-wide downturn, 
At least this is according to BlackRock's Gaurgi Pal Chowdhury. They're increasingly seen as a way to build and diversify portfolios. Instead of putting all of your eggs in one basket, you can put them in these ETFs where they'll invest in multiple different companies or assets. She adds that inflation has caused investors to rethink portfolio allocations. Overlooked assets like energy have now become a focus as a more stable and reliable asset class. Now, accordingly, January also happened to set a record for Canadian launches of ETFs with a total of 37 new exchange-traded funds listed. That's according to a national bank report. Now, while investors typically flock to ETFs with broad exposure and low management fees, the report states that not all popular Canadian ETFs actually come with low fees. Some thematic equity ETFs are having a year of gangbuster flows, and there are two hot categories in particular that Canadian companies are focusing on. So there's this crypto asset category, which kicked off in February last year. This is an ETF where they will hold the Ethereum or Bitcoin for you, and you can buy into that just like you would a normal stock. Now, this grew from zero to $5.9 billion in assets across more than 30 different products in just under a year. ESG was also a common theme among launches as well, totaling 19 with Invesco, Scotiabank, BMO, Desjardins, and Simple all releasing new products in January. And here's why the ETF mania matters. With a hot start to the new year, ETFs aren't comfortably locked into cruise control yet. The Bank of Canada's inevitable rate hike has accelerated a trend of investment dollars flowing out of the country. So you might see Canadians start to buy more foreign or offshore ETFs instead of Canadian-owned and operated products. For our last story, France's president announced that the country will build up to 14 nuclear reactors as part of a plan to ramp up energy production and phase out fossil fuels. So here's why the French are building more nuclear. France is already a nuclear powerhouse. They generate 70% of its electricity from nuclear. $5.7 billion will now be put towards the first six reactors in 2028. But most of France's nuclear plants built in the 70s and 80s require refurbishing. Recent shutdowns of reactors for maintenance have led to energy shortages that have driven up prices and increased France's reliance on coal and natural gas. Now, Macron's decision to expand its nuclear energy supply puts France on a different path than its neighbor Germany, which has opted to shutter its nuclear plants in favor of natural gas and eventually renewables like wind and solar. Now, Germany argues that nuclear produces too much hazardous waste, but some energy and environment analysts question the decision to ditch nuclear energy and claim the decision to do so is already driving up prices and emissions. And so here's what this matters to Canada. Canada is facing a similar decision on whether to embrace or wind down nuclear. Right now, nuclear provides over 16% of the country's energy and 61% of Ontario's. But our 19 commercial reactors are also aging and in need of refurbishment. Now, looking to France is like looking into a crystal ball of decisions we'll face in Canada as we consider the future of nuclear energy and its role in reaching our climate energy and climate change goals. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. And Jay, I'll see you tomorrow.